Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Charlie Wyman. Charlie specializes in LinkedIn and is a B2B development strategist and coach who has spent the last 13 years in international business, leadership, sales, and marketing roles, helping drive innovation and bring new products and ideas to market with a special focus on highly technical industries. Charlie also is the host of the Curiosity Key podcast, where she gives other curious thinkers, innovators, and changemakers a voice to help inspire and empower more people. Today, we're going to talk about the most common mistakes people make on LinkedIn that stop them from winning new business inquiries and converting connections into customers. We'll learn what has worked from Charlie's experience, what could be avoided, and where others are missing the mark. Charlie, welcome. Hi, it's awesome to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you here because I love all things LinkedIn and it's this whole magical mystery tour most of the time of trying to figure out how to make it work effectively. Yeah. Yeah. So could we start off talking a little bit about your background and what got you to where you are today? Oh, uh, whistle stop tour. So I originally, I studied engineering, uh, electronics, electrical engineering at university because I love technology. I love to create things. I love to make things. And I was kind of funneled into this uh, engineering degree because everybody was just like, oh, that's the right path for you. Um, but what I found was that I was way more interested in uh, human behavior, psychology uh, and business. So I was really not in a very uh, amazing place at that time. So I did two years at university and then realized, you know what, this is not for me. Um, ended up in Sardinia. Um, and then uh, so I was living on a property that had uh, an olive grove. And being a bit of a foodie, I thought, you know what, I'll use this opportunity to learn as much as I could about making olive oil. Then I thought, this is so good. I, I need to get this in front of more people. So I started my first business, which was 13 years ago, uh, making and selling olive oil in the UK. So I used to sell that on market stalls with um, other Sardinian fine foods. Um, I kind of got really into branding and uh, sort of marketing because like, if you right, imagine a, an electronics engineer branding and marketing olive oil, <laughs> it was kind of like is clearly the best olive oil you've ever tasted in your life. Why wouldn't you want to pay for it? So it was a very <laughs> steep learning curve. Um, but the oil won, uh, it won two uh, great taste awards, two years on the trot. Um, and it was a really fun adventure. Um, but I, I kind of needed to learn more. I'd had a really bad experience with learning from school and university. And um, I still wanted to kind of get more into innovation and, and helping people. So I, I've had a very colorful career. It's been lots of different roles. I spent two years working in public sector in sports and healthcare, specifically focusing on innovation and bringing ideas um, to life, getting them funded, um, bringing them to market. And then I, I was actually offered a job for a company uh, that sold laser scanning technology to surveyors, engineers, uh, mining engineers. And I knew nothing about what a laser scanner was. I knew nothing about the surveying market. Um, I knew nothing about that particular type of engineering. So civil engineering, structural engineering, that sort of thing. So I was way out of my depth, but I was like, you know what, this sounds really interesting. So I'll get, get involved. So I took the job as a marketing assistant. Bear in mind that my only marketing experience was cobbling together a brand and a company for, for my olive oil. <laughs> well, you learn a lot from doing something like that. Though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fail fast uh, and learn from your mistakes. So that, that was amazing. And I spent six years at that company. Um, where I went from marketing assistant when I joined to uh, the global head of sales and marketing within a kind of two and a half year period um, and then got very much involved in sales marketing and uh, was a, a key part of the leadership team for well over three years. Uh, then I left that company, went to a head of marketing role for a group of companies that served the global shipping industry, selling innovative um, solutions for healthcare and performance monitoring 
which then a year later kind of gave me the motivation to say, you know what, I, I really want to set up my own company. I want to work with more individuals, more companies to help them launch products. I want to get their brands out there, give them a voice and basically make B2B marketing fun and interesting because I think, you know, it's not always fun and interesting and it should be. No, I <laughs> think- kind of brings me to where I am today. Um, I've, I've sort of um, made things up as I've gone along for the last couple of years and uh, kind of definitely uh, it's all about training and education for me at the moment. Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head that B2B is not always fun. And there's no reason why it shouldn't be fun because you're still marketing to a person. There's no difference whether they're a consumer or whether they're a business consumer. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm on a bit of a mission uh, to help companies kind of humanize their marketing a little bit more uh, and really appreciate that, you know what, like from a marketing point of view, you are marketing to individuals, you know, people buy because of emotional reasons. It doesn't matter if you're selling, you know, sort of 300,000 pound technical equipment or 3 million pound technical equipment, you still have that emotional buy-in. You still have to communicate with people, build relationships. It's not all about that kind of like faceless marketing, broadcasting and, you know, sort of, um like we're just going to tell people what they should know already a style of marketing which i think we're a lot we're uh, very much used to at the moment yeah it's interesting with hollywood branded my agency we do a lot of b2b um partnerships for brands and people don't think about that because we work with movies and tv shows and just as much as we could put a car in or a watch in or you know any sort of consumer driven product a lot of times we'll put in roofing materials like GAF, which is specifically targeted to a buyer who's buying roof. It's a B2B, right? Or yep. law books that are going to the legal industry. Or, and we've found ways that we actually make it fun to interact and connect with a brand that other people otherwise would be just, it's very boring. It's very staid. It's very matter of fact. So I love that that's what your mission is as well. Yeah. Yeah. So LinkedIn, I know this is like your favorite tool. <laughs> yeah. Why do you love it so much? Why do you think it's like this godsend of marketing for B2B um, companies? Uh, well, for, I attribute a lot of my success to LinkedIn because I think if I look back, you know, I didn't finish my engineering degree. I'm not a trained marketer. I've never done a, a formal marketing qualification. Um, I've, I've been on the odd few sales training workshops, uh, but I'm not kind of specifically trained in that yet. Somehow I managed to go from just being a marketing assistant to running the sales marketing for a global company and then going, getting a job as the head of marketing for a group of companies. Mm -hmm. And you know, all of that is kind of through LinkedIn. And uh, my sort of methodology is all around curious thinking um, because I'm a very curious person. It was the inspiration for starting my podcast. And I teach a lot of people uh, to kind of like unleash their power, the natural power of curious thinking to do more um, because it's all about asking questions and being interested in what the people that you are talking to um, does and is about. And my agenda as that marketing assistant, if I go back sort of 11, 12 years ago, was never to become a head of marketing or head of sales, or whatever. It was never to sell. It was to find out how I could help people be successful through whatever it was that I was doing. And I used LinkedIn to um, originally, I was just making it up as I went along. And I was, I was sort of traveling the world, going to all sorts of different B2B events in the mining industry, surveying industry, you know, sort of talking to engineers and- Very sexy industries. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if you imagine like kind of back then, I looked about 12. <laughs> so uh, trying to be taken seriously as well, which was also a bit of a challenge, yeah. uh, especially in countries like South Africa, for example. Uh, but that, that's the tale for another, yeah. another time. Um, and it's a male dominated industry that you're working in too. So you look 12 and you're a woman. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, I had everything going for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, which was a lot of fun. Um, but it's, I think because I was going to all of these events all around the world, the thing that didn't make sense to me was that 
you were relying on building relationships with people that you only communicated with once a year at these particular events. Mm -hmm. And I was um, involved in selling and marketing equipment where the sales cycle was, you know, sort of, it could be as short as six months or it could be as long as three years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, if you can keep those channel of conversation, the, you know, the communication channels going, so you're not waiting for a year to meet that person and reestablish trust and rapport, how else can you keep in touch with these people and communicate? That's not email because everybody's email inboxes. It was like kind of, you needed a reason to email people or you needed, if you didn't have a reason, then it was considered spam or, you know, just that boring marketing stuff. Um, so I used LinkedIn. I connected with everybody I had a conversation with and anybody that asked me a question I didn't know, I went off to find the answer. And instead of just kind of keeping that response to that one person that asked it to me, I posted it as an article or a post on LinkedIn. And at the time, I didn't really realize what I was doing. But what I now realized was that I was essentially growing my own personal brand. I was uh, kind of driving a content strategy, which then reached more people that was helping educate people and then positioning myself and the brand that I was working for as a real expert in that field. So it, it kind of evolved from that a little bit. And then more and more over time, people saw me as that kind of trusted expert or that person that they could go to that was approachable, that was not going to try and sell them something that they didn't need. It was a case of, well, if the advice that I was giving you, um, or rather if your need was what I I could help you with, then I would continue that conversation. If not, I'd put you in touch with somebody that I knew that could help you. Um, And I think it's that kind of Building relationships has been a very natural part of life for me. You know, I grew up, both of my parents had small businesses. One of them went, um, one of them went bankrupt and the other one was, it was a car dealership. So it was kind of, you know, my dad used to sell cars to people in the community that came back, you know, sort of five, 10 years later to buy their next car because it was all based on relationships. Um, So for me, that was just the natural way of doing things. And I just found that through LinkedIn, I was able to find new people to talk to. I was able to keep conversations going with people I'd met. Um, and it, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel unnatural. It felt very genuine. And location was never an issue. Whereas like working for a global company, location could, you know, it, it was a bit of an issue. Right. So that brings us to LinkedIn today. Yes. So it obviously <laughs> So it obviously is a platform that I think most of our listeners probably at least have a username on. Most likely. Yeah. But most likely too, they might not be utilizing it quite to the extent they could be. Mm-hmm. So where is it that people could be better utilizing LinkedIn? Very good question. Um so from we were talking about people buying from people as a first initial step yeah so um everybody should have a linkedin profile and also understand that users of linkedin are using the platform for one of two different reasons Mm -hmm. they're either on the platform because they want to grow and develop a business or they're on the platform because they want to grow and develop a career Mm -hmm. So if you even look at people that are, you know, either involved in recruitment, in sales, um, lead generation, whatever, they're trying to achieve one of those two different goals. You can always track it back to those two things. So you have a very captivated audience. You have a very focused and specific audience. And you also have an audience that's not distracted by um, family photos, cat videos, uh, groups about, you know, organizing sports meetups and things like that as well. So it's, it's very focused and very targeted back onto the fact that people do business with people is that on LinkedIn if you are in a marketing role or a sales role and you're communicating with people as an individual your target market much more receptive to talking to you because they're not talking to a faceless brand they're talking to an individual right so the first thing to do is to make sure that you have a profile that speaks to the audience in which you want to communicate So actually understand who do you want to start conversations with on LinkedIn and does your profile speak out to that particular type of person? So instead of like the historical perception that your profile is an online version of your CV or your resume, instead look at it as like, how can you set yourself apart? How can you identify 
or, or rather how can you make it as easy as possible for your target market your target audience to understand that you want to speak to them and why they should take time out of their day to connect with you or send you an inquiry or speak to you in the first place um, and that I would say is the the main focus which is get that profile right because if you do nothing else on LinkedIn people especially in your target market whether you're a marketer you're an entrepreneur you're a business owner whatever people will be looking you up on Google and on LinkedIn and then going to have a look at your profile right. and they will be assessing how credible and trustworthy you are it will be another one of those kind of tick box exercises at the very least yeah, I know that as an agency owner and an employer, like whenever someone is doing a job inquiry with us, you know, the first thing I'm doing is looking at their LinkedIn profile. Yes. And then same thing goes if someone wants to do business with me and the email, one of the first things I do is look at their LinkedIn profile. So I'm very driven to learn more about people by opening up LinkedIn, doing a search and seeing how many followers they have, how active they are in the platform, if they ever comment and reading more about their bio and seeing if they actually spent some time. And of course, actually a lot of times just seeing their picture and just trying to figure out who it is I'm speaking with or about to speak with or about to meet with. Yeah. Uh, and I used to use that a lot uh, from events because I used to arrange and set up meetings before I went to the events um, because it, I think uh, B2B events, uh, we talk about B2B marketing being very boring <laughs> and it doesn't need to be. B2B events, you know, it's like uh, there are so, so many things that uh, companies get wrong at events, um, uh, one of which is that they, they turn up at the event and then hopefully hope that everything's going to go right, they're going to start all these conversations. Whereas from my point of view, if you can put in the effort beforehand, set up those important meetings before, so you're at least guaranteeing them, uh, it just makes your life so much easier. And then you can get a lot more from that particular event. Um, but when you're doing that, uh, in my case, because my name is Charlie, um, especially internationally, Charlie is not a common female name. So what I found was that if I went to meet with somebody, uh, a common misconception was that people are expecting to meet with a man. Yeah. <laughs> which is always like, no, you've got me. Sorry. <laughs> I had that before I looked at your picture on LinkedIn. Cause that's where I went to learn about you before this podcast. <laughs> exactly. And you know, I always get, Oh dear, Mr. Wyman. And you know, I was expecting to meet a man, but also I'd probably say about 50% of the people that I went to meet um, that didn't make the mistake that I was going to be a man would actually look me up on LinkedIn because they would look up to see who they were expecting to see. So they know what to uh, it's like you know they know who to look out for who's coming to, to meet with them so yeah having a profile photo that looks like you as well is just so so important um but it's you know it's just another way that you can really leverage the tool there's so many opportunities that businesses can leverage linkedin it's a free tool and it just makes the whole business development process so much easier and so much more human and you don't need to be paying for premium. You don't need to be paying for LinkedIn Sales Navigator. You can do a lot with the free version. You know, yes, there are advantages for having the paid tools, but you don't always need them. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's kind of why I love it so much because especially when you go into business for yourself or especially if budgets are tight, you need to be able to leverage as much as possible without spending huge amounts of money on your marketing. And so many companies don't utilize LinkedIn and it's this free tool that puts them in front of their ideal market. <laughs> so there's two different things though. You can have your own profile. So like with yeah. Hollywood branded, I have Stacey Jones, CEO, Hollywood branded, her profile, right? Then I also have the Hollywood branded business profile. Can we talk a little bit about the differences between those profiles and what people use them for and how to best leverage Absolutely. And uh, like getting a bit, geek, you know, I'm, I'm a raving geek. <laughs> um, Geeky's good. <laughs> I think the technology side of things, I'm like, oh, I'm such a geek. Um, but LinkedIn have released quite a few different updates to LinkedIn company pages recently, um, which are making them uh, a bit more of a focus than they've ever been. Because my recommendation is to always focus, you know, it's that 80-20 rule, focus 80% of your efforts on your personal profile, building that personal brand building those individual relationships, investing your time in people, and then 20% of your effort on your company page. And then if you're a marketer, you're running marketing teams, or if you're running sales and marketing teams, make sure that you are also understanding how your employees can advocate for your company page 
and actually use the people working for you to promote your brand and to bring that human element to it. So in terms of your, your company page versus your personal page, the same rules apply. It's all about engagement, all about engagement. The more you can understand what motivates um, and drives your target market and you engage with those behaviors, the more you will um, get your brand across, the bigger uh, the impact that you will have on your target market. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make on their company page is that they use their LinkedIn company page as a driver for website traffic. So it's like, oh, I'm just going to post a link to a blog post every single day or once a week to try and get more traffic to my website. That's not why people are using LinkedIn. People are using LinkedIn because they want to engage with a brand. They want to find out like what the company culture is like. They want to find out who, what type of customers are using your products. They want to engage, you know, um, not be broadcasted to, not be told what they need to be looking at and what they need to be thinking. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the biggest differentiators. Oh sure. yeah, I'm sure. And we totally use it incorrectly right now. <laughs> but after this podcast, I'm, we're going to be fixing that. Right. But I think, awesome. yeah, I think most people do that. I mean, I, I think it's very easy to look at social platforms like LinkedIn as a business and you just kind of throw your stuff out there and yeah. you forget that it's supposed to be social and you forget that it's supposed to be a two-way street of conversations and education and information. Mm. And LinkedIn have made it quite easy for um, marketers now to um, really take advantage of their people using LinkedIn. You know, you can link hashtags to your company page. You can link uh, groups to your company page. You can um, now like and comment on individual posts from your company page, thus helping you get your brand out there a little bit more. Um, you, when your employees uh, start talking about your brand, you can share their posts to your feed. Um, you know, you can create custom buttons now on the home page of your on your company page, so it's not just go to the website. It's um, uh, like contact us, download something, send us an inquiry. Mm-hmm. So, and but more recently, is in a, a new feature as of a couple of months ago. If you, as an individual, send a connection request to another individual. LinkedIn will now prompt you to follow or at least go and have a look at their company page that's linked to their experience. So for example, if I went to follow you, it would say, yeah, you know, you've just sent your connection request to Stacey. Um, we recommend that you follow Hollywood Branded, the company page. Right. So that's LinkedIn's great. actively putting me in front of your company page. Yeah. I think that part of that is LinkedIn has realized that company pages don't get a whole lot of follows sometimes. Yeah. And so they're trying to help that with companies. Yeah. I mean, so LinkedIn publish a, um, it's like the best of LinkedIn company pages in every single year. Mm-hmm. And it, it always makes me laugh because the, the featured companies are the huge, huge brands where they've got like millions of followers, but all of their engagement or like their post likes, very few comments all come from their staff, <laughs> you know? So it's like, well, they're not really engaging with their target market. They're just telling their staff what they should like and what they should comment on. So you're saying so, if you have a thousand people who work for you and you require that they like and post on your company page, all of a yeah. sudden you'll be a top 10 LinkedIn page. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, well, it's not quite how it works. Right. Um, you know, a client of mine, uh, I always use them as an example because, you know, they've got a business that's been around for 40 years, an innovative business. Um, they've got offices worldwide. They've got a strong community, like partner community, reseller network. They only have three and a half thousand followers on their company page. So if you compare that to some of the bigger brands, then it's not a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they don't spend any money on advertising, but they get over 50,000 impressions on their posts. They get lots of comments and lots of likes from people that are existing customers, existing partners, and also prospects. So they're getting inquiries as well. They get, you know, sort of over 300 clicks back to their websites per month, just from that custom button at the top, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's that they're building that brand, they're growing their brand value. They're engaging with their community. And I think, you know, Marketing has changed so much over the years and a lot more brands are acknowledging that 
individuals want to be part of a community and brands can create those communities. And also that's kind of like where brand, a lot of brand loyalty comes from as well. Um, And for me, you know, you can do that through a LinkedIn company page and there's a lot more opportunities now than there have ever been before to utilize and leverage LinkedIn company pages. Um, But one of my favorite things about training companies, um, because I do a lot of training around um, employee advocacy. So how sales and marketing teams can work together to help each other with the content, how marketing can help sales actually with their prospecting activities, how sales can help marketing by, um, you know, sort of uh, putting them in uh, communication with the customers for case studies and other things like that as well, is that I normally have at least two people that are in the training that are like, no, LinkedIn will not work for me. It's a waste of time. It's too much effort. And at the end of the training session, they're like the biggest users and they're like, yes, I can completely see the point. And then after that, they're, they're engaging, they're talking, right. they're posting really innovative content that really does hit the mark. It's really engaging. Um, and it's, that's, what I, that's what I love to see all the time. <laughs> I love it. So you mentioned a minute ago that, you know, getting your employees, not necessarily like these fortune, whatever companies where they have a thousand employees liking and commenting, but getting your employees involved in your company pages. What are some of the best practices to do that? And, you know, quite frankly, employees are not always, I think we all know this quick to jump on the bandwagon of another thing they have to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just the last thing anyone wants to do is another thing you need to do for the company. Another thing on top of that, your yeah. eight hour workday. Um, what are some of those best ways? How can you effectively leverage and get your employees to make themselves more involved on LinkedIn and get them to be more involved with your company as well? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, and the first thing that I always recommend that every company does is really outline the what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about this from a marketing point of view, that when you're marketing to your audience, you have to make it, you know, what's in it for them to engage with your brand. It's exactly the same when you're looking internally, because internal marketing is also just as important. So when you look at your sales team, for example, and your marketing team, it's like, what is in it for them, for them to be using LinkedIn? from a sales team point of view, is that if they're not using LinkedIn, then they're missing a huge amount of opportunities and probably leaving a lot of deals on the table. Because from a sales point of view, you can shorten your sales cycle, for one, that's normally the biggest one. You can have a better relationship with your clients. You can address and follow, address objections and follow up with your prospects a lot easier, a lot less like demanding and forceful. So there's a lot more tools available um, that you can leverage from that side of things Mm -hmm. and also you can use it as a way to keep in touch with your marketing team without marketing constantly hounding you for information Mm -hmm. from a marketing point of view (laughs) the what's in it for me is that um, it helps them feel a bit more connected to sales and the customer because this was always one of my biggest bugbears is that um, because I'd worked as a, as a sort of head of head of sales and marketing for three and a half years and then moved to a head of marketing role is that I didn't have as much control or contact with the end customers and with the sales team. And in my opinion, that you are a much better and more effective marketer if you speak to customers, if you understand objections and you, you really get into the, the behaviors and the motivations of your target market. You can't do that from the sidelines. So it's, Companies need to let their staff know what's in it for them. Uh, And then they need to uh, either incentivize them by educating them as to how to leverage LinkedIn, um, motivating them by sort of saying, you know what, like there's different rewardings, but you know, if you need to reward your staff, creating um, like a a LinkedIn um, advocate within the company. So, you know, like having little meetings every now and again, just sort of saying, you know, how are you using LinkedIn? How's it coming along? Because, One of the biggest barriers to individuals using LinkedIn is not actually how to use the system. It's implementing regular habits and being consistent across the platform. So the more consistent you are, the more visible you'll be and the better the brand and the trust and the visibility, you know, that you will have. So having somebody to say, have you done anything on LinkedIn this week? Just to remind you and just give you that accountability really, really helps. Um, And then Actually, again, it's it's that education side of things, because if employees tag the company in a post, so if they're talking about, um, 
a customer demo, or if they're talking about a customer case study, if they were to tag that company, then the company page has access to that post because they've been mentioned. Um, if somebody uses a hashtag with that company name again, the company page will be notified that that post and they can link the two. So it's just to like that kind of education as to the little things that they can be doing to then help the marketing team get visibility as to what sales are doing and also for sales to then get visibility as to how to get in front of the target market and, you know, jump on those sales opportunities. Because a lot of times like um, prospects will be commenting on some of these posts and unless you've got somebody from sales taking advantage of those, you're going to be missing those opportunities. Right. So yeah, hopefully there's a kind of like whistle stop tour of some of the things that you can do. Um, but if you visit my LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. um, and I think you're going to put the link in the show notes, which is just linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Charlie Wyman. Uh, I've got an article which is all around how to grow and well, how to create and grow a company page. So awesome. there's loads of information on there. Perfect. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes for everyone so that that's an easy thing for people to reference. Yes. <laughs> So when you were talking earlier about, you know, it, it's interesting. You have the same strategy as I had. I, we started our blog back in 2012. And the reason I started it is I would have a conversation with a potential client or an actual client and they'd have something that they just didn't get. And I'd be like, oh, they're not getting it. And I could have talked until I was blue in my face about it. And I don't think they necessarily wanted to listen. Or I took another approach where I would write them an email and I would, explain everything to them. Yeah. And when I would write these emails, I'm like, wow, this is really cool content because this one person is asking me this question and I have this awesome answer that I've prepared. What can I do with it? And so I turned those into blogs. Eventually yep. those got turned into podcasts and we have a super active blog on our, our website. I mean, we get, which for an agency, I mean, we get over 20,000 reads a month, which is fantastic Amazing. for us, but that doesn't necessarily correlate back over to LinkedIn because we are that agency. We are that company that does exactly what you said not to do, <laughs> where we post up and here's the blog. We wrote this, you know, today, every day we have a new blog. Here's our blog. Here's a blog. Here's a blog. Here's a blog. So mm -hmm. I know LinkedIn has really developed themselves to be able to be the content holder. So instead of linking out, LinkedIn actually values content that is created and posted on LinkedIn, whether that's mm -hmm. a video or an article, is that something you would suggest doing um, where you, let's say you actually have created lots of content, would you suggest bringing it into the world of LinkedIn? Or do you think you need to create totally new content for the world of LinkedIn? If it's, if it's still relevant and if it's uh, still timely content, then absolutely bring it into the world of LinkedIn um, and start to leverage that. And I think that's another way that you can, um, you know, really help your employees because from a company page point of view, you can link back to articles that your employees have written and published on their LinkedIn profiles. Mm -hmm. So from an employee point of view and a personal branding, um, if I'm the employee of a company and I write an article that's very specific to my industry, my area of expertise, it helps me set myself up as a thought leader in my industry. It helps me build trust and credibility. And then also the um, marketing team can then link back to the article on the company page, which then helps your overall market understand the that you value your staff, yeah. the intelligence of your staff, um, and uh, you're not sort of being penalized because you're linking within LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So you're helping promote the intelligence of your staff, which I personally think is, is a wonderful thing to do. And I think right. a lot of companies really miss out on the opportunities um, of really enabling and empowering their staff to really showcase their skills uh, and giving them the tools and the resources and the support that they need to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the companies that I've worked for in the past, I've worked with some incredibly intelligent people um, who are thought leaders in their field. Uh, and it was just a case of finding out how I can then empower them to be able to write their own content or help them write their content that showcase those skills mm -hmm. that put them up there. You know, so it's not about the company wanting to be the brand ambassador is the company that wants to empower its staff and put its staff out there a lot more as well. Um, so yes, creating content within the LinkedIn platform is very important, especially if you upload native video. So if you upload video directly to the platform, um, if you upload 
um, article information to the LinkedIn Pulse um, blogging category. You know, if you already have great content on your website, um, obviously, you know, from a Google point of view, don't replicate the thing word for word, you know, sort of change the headline, keep it fresh, maybe give it a bit, you know, a bit of an update. You don't need to spend a huge amount of time on it. And then you're, you're kind of repurposing that content, getting it in front of more people. And I think that's my other question. So with Google SEO, obviously you just touched on this. You don't want to duplicate content because you'll get penalized potentially yes. uh, because Google likes to have one source origin source of content. And if it's going to be used elsewhere, they want to use all these canonical, canonical, I can't even say it, canonical, maybe. Oh, that's me. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's canonical, I believe. Um, it, it's a way of actually designating who is the origin point of source for the content. And so mm-hmm. it links back. So if you're posting to on a blog, um, on your website as a business, and then you're also taking that content and putting it on a platform like Medium, Medium yeah. allows you to designate that your blog is actually the parent Mm -hmm. of it so that Google's not giving your medium blog post more authority than what you have and, and discrediting and lowering you in the scale of what page you would be showing up on for those detail keywords. Um, But do you know if on LinkedIn, is it a, is it a closed platform that Google can search or not search? So like, is Google actually getting in there and seeing the content, the articles, the words that are being put in there and searching it and, and comparing it to your website, or is it really a standalone beast of its own? So I'm not, I'm not a Google expert. I can only go off um, experience, what I've learned, what I've tested myself over the years. Um, is that um, Google does um, crawl LinkedIn. So if you do a Google search, um, then there's a good chance that your LinkedIn profile or that one of your latest LinkedIn articles will pop up on, you know, the sort of top three search features if it matches those keywords. Um, What I found personally is that if I keep the title different um, and I also link back to the website, so I also say this article was originally published on my website, here's the link, um, I've not been penalized myself and for the companies that I've worked with and and some of my clients as well, they've never had any problems um, with duplicate content on on Google. So um, I would say, uh, yeah, just you don't need to worry about anything like that. My only uh, thing for that is just keep an eye on Google rules and regulations because as we all know that Google changes every now and again. <laughs> like in so a blink one of those overnight, like... overnight in a blink of the eye, everything <laughs> is now panda, bear, <laughs> dolphin, whatever it might be. I know. So like, I mean, that's, again, it's the beauty of having a really, uh, an engaged network. And yeah. I always suggest like as a marketer, unless SEO is your bread and butter, is your area of expertise is make friends with experts in the SEO space. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them close, help them out when they need help and they'll help you out when you need help. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of, um, I think one of my biggest bugbears about marketing agencies, um, especially in the UK, um, based on my own experiences that they kind of try to be masters of everything um, rather than sort of specialize in a particular field um, and then instead like, either spread themselves too thin or end up with out of date especially from an SEO point of view out of date SEO knowledge um, and then you kind of just end up paying for something that is not relevant anymore so uh, yeah my experience of SEO is always work with an expert <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's good advice <laughs> yeah and so like, how do you, you know, do you, how do you use LinkedIn for yourself? Like with your podcast, as an example, are you replicating content on that or what are you doing? What's your best practices with that? Oh, so my podcast is really new. Um, I'm only um, 11 episodes into my podcast. Okay. So it's, uh, it's a little baby at the moment. Um, but so you started it. Coming- <laughs> started and that's all that matters. Yes, I have started it. It's, I talked about it for way too long and now I was just like, you know what, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it going. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have, um, I have an own, my own company page on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, which is a kind of like, it's, it's far more difficult to promote a company page when it is your name. <laughs> you know, if you have a, like, a, you know, I have a brand being developed at the moment, which will launch uh, later this year. It's very exciting. However, uh, for the last two years, I've been trading under my own name, which is Charlie Wyman. Um, 
so what I've done for my podcast is I've created a showcase page. Um, so if you are a brand or a company and you have, you target lots of different market verticals, you have different product offerings, then you can have a main company page that represents your brand, but then you can also create showcase pages, which I've kind of had a bit of a bad rep recently. It's very difficult to build engagement, but I've started to sort of see a trend where they're getting a little bit more. So my showcase page has only existed for about six weeks now. um, And it's already starting to pick up traction slowly, but it is picking up traction. Mm -hmm. And also then it enables me to share podcast content without then diluting the content I'm posting on my personal page or my company page, because it's not all the same. It's not the same kind of, it is the same target market, but it's not the same sort of content that I want to be put promoting across all platforms um because i also don't recommend posting the same content across every single platform to try and reach more people um it's a case of understanding how people interact and use each different platform and how you can tailor that content to suit each different audience Mm -hmm. so um yeah i do think share share your content because the best part about linkedin as well is that you can tag your guests in so for example you know i can talk about I could put out some content this evening that basically says, oh, uh, I have just been on this great podcast with Stacey from Hollywood Branded. I could tag Stacey and I could tag it Hollywood Branded, the company page into that post. And you can then like or comment on it from your company page and from your individual post as well. So it's kind of like you're still getting the message across and you're still promoting those two things. Um, But it's more, again, it's that understand the human element of it, because again, people, when they're using LinkedIn are less likely to then sit back and listen to a full podcast episode, Mm -hmm. but they may want to, you know, discover new podcasts that they can then add to their list or learn a key takeaway from a podcast interview or something like that. And it's just a different way of sharing the information out there. Right. So cutting down snippets of a podcast interview or creating yeah. quotes that were said or a take a lesson takeaway from that is yeah. probably more in line with the audience who's engaging with LinkedIn as they're bouncing around. Yeah. Same with video and things that, um, on LinkedIn as well, that um, when users are digesting video, watching video, um, a lot of people will be watching it in a busy space. So either when they're on the move in a public area or whether they're sat at an office, uh, sat at their desk in an office. So it's always good practice to include subtitles on your videos and to try and keep them short and sweet. Um, like I, I was quite lazy when I first got going with video um, and you know didn't use uh, subtitles. Whereas like now for all of my videos, I, I try to use subtitles and they perform a lot better. So that's good to know. Yes, <laughs> but the same with um, so there's a really cool app called um, Headliner dot app. Mm-hmm. Um, where you can create audiograms from for your podcast, uh, which I've just I've literally just started exploring. So I haven't shared anything yet, but you can create like one minute snippets or up to 10 minute snippets of your podcast episode. Um, and then, you know, add graphics, add subtitles, um, make it a little bit animated. Um, it's just another way of engaging people with what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, we also used and have used over the last couple of years, Wave. Um, with yeah, like W, yeah, W A A V E, and that allows you to do some of that as well. Which is, um, even if you have an audio podcast, which is you know not video, you can lay in graphics, or it will give you some neat little like, you know, you see the sound bars going up and down, so you have something visual versus just static nothingness. Exactly. And we're all like, you know, we are all curious beings. We're all very naturally curious beings. So, you know, like that little bit of movement that kind of distracts you, you know, that it, it just helps you become noticed a little bit more. Um, and I think in terms of the being noticed is that, and it's one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make on LinkedIn, both on company pages and personal profiles is that it's, it's all statement driven. So, a lot of LinkedIn users make it all about them. So all of their content is me, 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 rather than what I say is it should be you, you, you. So it should be all about the people you want to start conversations with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you should make it all about the other person, not about you, because nobody, in the nicest possible way, nobody really cares about you. They just care about how you can help them or yep. what it is that you can do for them. <laughs> um, and, you know, understand what sort of content in what type of format do your market consume the most? Um, you know, if you're selling products and services to a highly technical market and you're targeting the uh, technical lead for that, 
they may be more interested in long form articles full of like really detailed technical information. They're not going to pay attention to short, short, sharp snippets. Um, So it's the same. It's like, you know, but another audience, if you're targeting C-suite, you will adapt that content to target C-suite. They're not going to be interested in all of the technical detail. They'll just be interested in how that product can help make them more money, save them more money, solve problems and things like that. So the more you can understand who you're targeting and the more you can target your content at that audience and make it about them and not about you, the better you will do. And do you have any knowledge of how much posting is too much for LinkedIn? Uh, I think, again, it depends on the audience. (laughs) It it does depend on the audience because in highly regulated markets, um, in highly technical markets, you don't really need to be posting more than once a week, really. Um, And also people in those markets are less likely to like and comment on your content. Um, I think it's a very traditional old school approach that if they were to like and comment on your content, that's a kind of public endorsement or um, approval for it. So they don't do it, which doesn't help the algorithm because the algorithm considers good content, the more people that like and comment. <laughs> so, right. You know, it, I always say to anybody, if you know, you're listening to this podcast or if you follow my content in any way, if you like content that people are putting out, give it a like at the very least or put a comment on it or something, because then you've got more chance of seeing that person's content more often. Um, so again, it's, it's understanding how frequently your target market are likely to be using LinkedIn. Are they likely to be daily users or weekly users or less? Um, you know, if you're targeting entrepreneurs, then post every day because a lot of entrepreneurs are daily users of LinkedIn. Um, personally, I advise against posting more than once a day because I just think that's a bit spammy and it's hard to maintain quality of content if you're posting more than once a day, but it's whatever feels right for you. You know, if you can put out quality content that's relevant, that's engaging, that's timely, then crack on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that I'm going to say that I've learned recently from LinkedIn, because I've been trying to spend a little bit of time of all social platforms. LinkedIn is the one I'm going to, as a business owner, actually try to spend time with. Even I don't do Instagram that much. And then I really don't post on Facebook except for celebrations that my husband and I are having or friendships that are coming together and we're seeing each other. I mean, that's what we use it for, but With LinkedIn, I love actually going through and reading what people are posting in their articles or their comments. And I found that when I actually comment back and I don't just say, hey, yes, great, love your article, love your thought, but actually give feedback and and my point of view to what someone else is saying, you know, sure, the person who I wrote that on, maybe they're a sales uh, target for me or our company, but what I've actually been finding out, it's less about them being a sales target and more about other people seeing my comment and reaching out to me because of my content that I wrote and the comment I said and connecting and saying, hey, liked what you said, would love to explore, blah, blah, blah. And so it really is a sales opener that people are not taking advantage of to the level that they could be. And that, um, you know, that... I talk about this subject quite a lot because there's a big misconception on LinkedIn um, is that you need to stuff your account and collect connections. So the more connections you have, the better you will do on LinkedIn and the more uh, chance you have on winning business. Whereas exactly what you said, if you're engaging with other people's content and you're writing thoughtful comments on other people's posts, you will start to attract the interest of your target market. Um, That's how you're going to start attracting like really decent um, leads and inquiries and opportunities. And you don't need to be connected connected to everybody and everybody, everybody and anybody to be able to comment on their content. You can search for relevant hashtags to do with particular topics of interest and you can go through and you can comment on people's posts that you're not connected to. You can explore and learn about what other people are talking to. You can keep, um, you know, you can keep an eye on your competitors, see what they're doing. You can learn from others. You can um, follow market trends, market insights. There's so much you can use LinkedIn for. It's way more than just um, a lead generation or a prospecting tool. Right. Um, And I think as well, like loads of people just keep talking about, oh, it's this amazing lead gen tool. So fill your network full of your ideal prospects 
post out content and then that's how you're going to win business or spam them with messages. It's like, no, that's how marketers were building email lists years ago. <laughs> Let's not replicate that model on LinkedIn. Let's instead try to get to know people that we're connecting with. Let's start conversations. Let's, you know, sort of add a bit more meaning into uh, the relationship that we're, that we're driving. A hundred percent agree. Okay, Charlie, we're getting near the time that we need to call it because we have used up all of our listeners minutes, but I know that you have some really cool things for everyone who's tuning in. Can you share a little bit more about that and how people can get in contact with you? Although we'll also have all of this in our show notes. Splendid. Um, yes, I do have lots of free stuff. I'm very much, uh, my attitude to uh, business and marketing is a very much a give first approach. Um, so I have a uh, free blueprint, which is like a step-by-step guide to using LinkedIn, which you can download on my website. It's just charliewyman.com forward slash blueprint. Um, I also run uh, free training webinars, uh, which is all around how to convert your connections into customers. Um, so if you go to charliewyman.com forward slash webinar, then you will um, get the, the next training option there. Um, and then also, if you are interested in my podcast, uh, The Curiosity Key, I, I basically interview uh, innovative people, change makers, um, leaders, uh, disruptors, and people that are kind of using their curiosity to kind of change the world or change their section of the world in a way that they can make an impact. Um, so it's a bit like kind of curious conversations every week. Um, and then you can go charliewyman.com forward slash podcast or just look for the Curiosity Key podcast on YouTube or whatever podcast platform that you're listening to. Or look at our show notes where we'll have all of this summarized <laughs> to make it super yes, easy. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then also like connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, but what I will say is that if you're listening to this and you want to connect with me, just let me know that you heard this podcast and that's why you want to connect with me because um, I get hundreds of connection requests on LinkedIn um, that I've got no context or meaning. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more picky as to who I'm connecting with. So if you just say, I heard your podcast and I would like to connect, then, then please let me know because I would love to connect with you. Um, but I, I warn you now, I do like to have conversations with my connections. So <laughs> if, you, uh, if you just want to follow my content, then you can follow me on LinkedIn um, rather than connect, but it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> All of that's awesome. Are there any last parting words of advice that you have for our listeners today? Oh, just stay, like, just be curious, you know, have an open mind, ask questions and be curious about, uh, you know, who you're speaking to and the opportunities around you. And you will have much more fun throughout life in work and in business. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for all of your very valuable advice today and help and insight. And I know that I've learned a lot that we're going to be taking back to the drawing board and looking at our own LinkedIn. So I'm sure our listeners are also getting quite a bit of ideas generated as well. So listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to Marking the Stake and how to avoid them. And I look forward to speaking with you on our next podcast. 